Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Hey, come on, let's have a seat. It's good to be at God's house, amen? You left your martini up here, Pastor. I don't know. I'm just kidding. It's water, church. Hey, uh, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Um, I'm glad that you're in God's house. And if you're joining online, welcome. We're glad that you're with us. And uh, man, it's always fun. Uh, There's something so special. I'm away from family, but I feel like I'm part of family here. And so, man, I I just, I said at the first service, but I I always remembered this, uh, Pastor T.D. Jakes. You probably don't know him, but he is a pastor of, um, and he, he said one time that you can tell where God's getting ready to take you by the people he places around you. And, um, man, I walk into church alive and, and one, like, I love the name because you're just saying, Hey, we are alive. Come find out, you know, and, uh, and which is more than maybe other people could say. And, and I just love it. God is placing so many people around you, what you guys continue to pioneer. Um, I learn every time I'm around you too. I always have, and I continue to do so. So grateful for your relationship, our friendship. It, it means a lot, especially in seasons like this. How many know you find out who your friends are? <laughs> Some of you are like looking at the person next to you. Like, <laughs> um, I want to talk about family today. Can we do that? Um, let's talk about family. I'm, uh, I'm blessed to be in the family that I'm in. My father um, and my mother... And my grandfather took the first command to humanity very seriously when it says, be fruitful and multiply. And um, so my father's one of 11. My mother's one of five. My grandfather has over 60 grandchildren, maybe 65 great-grandchildren. He um, got radically saved at a Billy Graham crusade many years ago and planted a church. He was a delinquent, would be an understatement, um, in his town, and God radically changed him. Now, not only changed him, but changed his brother, who would become a missionary, the first Assembly of God missionary to Germany for over 35 years. And, and so God has done a lot in our family, and it's, not, it's two generations out from looking, seeing the devastation of what a life can be apart from God, what alcohol can do, what, what um, the lack of education, and just love can do in a family. But God has restored and continues to restore, can you say amen, um, the family. And it's, it's just an incredible picture. And to watch that and to know, like in my parents, um, Pastor Anthony just spoke so highly of my father, and he, he has, uh, well, my mother and my father, they have 29 grandchildren and four more on the way. And, and so, um, listen, we're doing our part, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you, I had four children, and they're like, well, you don't even, you can't complain. I'm like, no, no, my children are like, they have the attitude of like six children in each one of them. And, uh, and, uh, but I'm so grateful to be here. I don't take it lightly. It's an honor to be here. And, and family, and before I get into family, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to read this passage of scripture. And I don't know about you, but it, this season is a peculiar season for many of us. And, and, and I'm learning that I don't always know what to do, but I know that the closer I get to the Lord, the more I understand what to do and how to live. And if you live solely to make a point, 
if you're only making, if you're only taking a stand just to defend and make an argument and, and say something on social media and do, uh, it's just not with the right heart. But I realize in our environment that there was a lot of conversation. You know that line between fear and wisdom? So you know what I'm talking about? And, 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 this, and this season has presented more challenges, more obstacles for whom? The family. The family. I mean, you know, when you went to the holiday dinner, you had enough stuff to deal with. You had the crazy aunt or the crazy uncle, right? And you're always just worried about them on their best behavior. And then you had politics to deal with. You had church to talk about and all the finances in life. And so you're like, we don't need one more thing to argue about at family dinner. And then the, the COVID showed up. And you're like, perfect, God. Do you want the family to be destroyed? No, but the enemy does, right? The enemy, anything that reflects the nature and creation of God, the enemy cannot stand. He's he's frustrated by it. And and so I've watched the church, and this is the only wisdom I can give you. When people say, oh, I'm just using wisdom, that's why I'm doing this, or or and and that that's the distinction. I, only you know, only you know if you are operating out of fear, out of wisdom. And the only thing that I can give you to that is the Bible talks about how we live looking to what's ahead. And so if you look to tomorrow with fear and anguish and stress and animosity, it's not wisdom. It's not wisdom what's promoting behaviors. It's actually fear. But listen to what scripture says in Jeremiah 17. It says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Who trusts in the Lord? It's as if he takes up my entire table. There's no room for anything else. No room for me to trust in government or my 401k or my relationships or connections. There's no room for it. The only thing left on the table is the Lord. So I trust in him. He has all of my confidence. It says they will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. When every other tree panics, and starts to, to get, get frustrated and anxious and talk about, oh, I don't see any clouds rolling in. I don't think anything's going to happen. You just stand confidently. And many people will look at you and say, you're, happy. you're ignorant. Do you see what's ahead? Do you see what's around you? But you and only you know that my roots are deep. My roots are deep and they're connected to something more sufficient. And... And can I tell you something? You are never called to explain why you walk by faith or to justify someone else's lack of faith. You focus on Jesus. Let him be the one you place your hope in. Since when he comes, you will not fear. Says its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I just love what the Lord's word declares over our lives. When everyone else tells you what your future will look like, you can be confident and know that God looks after his own. Amen? I want to talk about family because there's nothing better than family. Really, there's nothing better. And if you've come from a broken family and and maybe if you had the option, you would have chose a different family and um, maybe different parents, different mom or dad. Um, I remember there were many times growing up, I'd be like, I would like to be voted out of this family, you know, and um, I'm sure my mother would have happily said, you're out, you know, Um, but there's nothing harder. There's nothing more challenging. There's nothing more frustrating, but maybe I'll say it this way. There's nothing more refining than family. You think you are selfless and then you get married. I'll say it. Like my wife, my wife knows we we've talked about this and we just did an event and for those 18 to 29 and in between that and a service. And my wife and I, um, 
as she was on platform with me for the first time and, and we were sharing our story. And I was very candid with people and just saying the first year was incredibly hard. It was very challenging. And, and my wife never had a hot microphone before, so I was kind of like, you know. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, the first year, hon, do you, you want to talk about that? And she kind of looked at me and she's like, are we allowed to talk about that, you know? <laughs> it's like the time I had that lamp and I was going to smash you in the head with it. I was like, oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> And um, we had so many like different stories growing up, uh, growing up, growing in our marriage of just, and if you were to ask me, what was it? It was me. I was very selfish. We were selfish. We would never say that to you because we're like, no, I'm a mature believer in Jesus and I will lay down my body. And you know, and, and you're like, well, you know, you, you don't know how to be selfless. You are self-absorbed. And when you get into marriage, you know what it is? It's a refining process. It's less about you. Right. you no, know, it's all about me. No, it actually has nothing to do with you. And then you have children, and you're like, it's more refining. And so God, God designs marriage. He designs the family unit, which all of that is under question now. In a society, listen, humanity always questions the authority of God has since the beginning of time. The created always questions the creator. And we almost in our own arrogance kind of say to God, well, God, that may be your opinion about sexuality and marriage and gender, but God, I mean, I have my opinion. And it's arrogant to God to even suggest that. And that's why we live in a culture today. Listen, I'm not shocked that we find ourselves where we find ourselves today. Because the word of God says that in the last days, people will become lovers of themselves, seekers after their own pleasures. You, You only think about yourself and what gratifies yourself. And anyone that opposes that is wrong. And so we essentially become our own gods. We become our own authority. And this is how you know. When, when someone says you're in an argument with someone, you're not argument. We don't argue. No, you do. You can argue. And they say, yeah, well, who says everyone here today watching online, you have a who says? Yeah. Every one of you. Yeah. And many of us will say, no, 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 God says. We're like, well, hey, let's talk about this topic, marriage, finance, sexuality. Let's talk well, that particular area, you know, I feel that the age we live in today, like I think if Jesus, you know, and what, what you're ultimately saying is it depends. Well, it depends on who? It depends on you. So you unintentionally have taken the, the throne away from Christ and you are now seated on it. My church does not clap about that, okay? And, uh, but you, you, you don't, you don't, <laughs> but this happens it's not it's not like uh, it's subtle yeah. it's subtle yeah. it's subtle it's it's um god messed with me in many ways i was raised in church and and i remember growing up in a large family and i remember starting to work and i'm kind of just a farm boy from south jersey but i remember my dad when we made a few dollars he'd say you know hey we got to honor god with that and i said that i can't afford to give he goes you you can't afford not to give son <laughs> And, and I remember saying to him, well, God, well, how does this work? He says, well, listen, God's giving you, uh, giving you everything in your hand. And I remember looking and said, well, I thought you just gave it to me. And he says, he says uh, everything that we have, God is our provider, everything we have. Um, and, you, and then I remember saying, well, what about the gifts and talents? He goes, God gave us the gifts and talents we have that came from him. So everything we have, every ability to earn wealth comes from him. He says, so when you earn anything, he goes, God is asking you to give back a portion of what he already gave you. So then he says, hey, son, here's $10, gave it to me. And he says, I'm going to give this to you. Will you give me a dollar back? 
I'd be like, do I get to keep the other nine? He's like, yeah. I was like, done. You know, here it is. And um, he's teaching me this principle of, of tithing. I never knew that later on in my journey with the Lord, that would become one of the, the linchpins in me really learning how to trust Jesus. And I, because I remember it's like money, money, church, why? And then I started to study. When I went to seminary, I was so perplexed that, that, and confused that Jesus talked so much about money. I was like, no one, I was raised in church. No one talks about money. Why? Because you know why? You and I, we, we, we develop this one attribute in living in family and amongst other people. We, we either live with the fear of man or with the fear of the Lord. And until you learn how to have a fear of the Lord, you will always live in fear of man. Always. Meaning that someone else's opinion will always be greater than the opinion of God. You must understand that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess under the name of Jesus. And he is the authority. And you in this journey, God is patient with us. He's kind to us. He allows us to stumble, to pick us up, and to push us forward. And his patience is something I'm so grateful for today. But when you learn to live with the fear of the Lord, it's as if the fear of man just gets silenced. And it gives you the confidence to trust in God. Maturity is an interesting thing in family. I um, remember early on in in our marriage, I would get frustrated, Pastor Anthony, with with my wife. And I'd be like, you know, I'm a pastor, you know? (laughs) You you know, and we'd we'd start arguing and, and, and... and she'd say things back to me, and then I'd snap things back to her. And, then, and, and, and I, I realized something. Like, you don't give the silent treatment to someone who's an introvert. Like, I was like, you know what? If you're mad, I'm not going to talk to you. And she's like, great. I don't want to talk to anybody, you know? <laughs> and so I remember one time, it was like two days. I was like, I'm not talking to you because you're like just disobedient, you know? <laughs> and I remember like, and I did that when I did it, you know? I married uh, she, her parents uh, Italian family from South Philly, so you always gotta, gotta like watch what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? You don't know something. And um, I have to say this: Is this live online? It's okay. She's not watching. And um, but I remember one time when we were arguing, and uh, and uh, and I said to her, I said, um, I said we were fighting, and and we were like just dishonoring each other in our roles. And and I remember saying, "What are you? What are you going to do?" And she turned around. Bam, punch a hole in the wall. It's like, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I walked out. I was saying, you got to find a woman like my wife. Your life will be great. But I, rem- I, re- I, remember, I remember this. I remember my journey and my maturity. I- I'm-, I'm trying to get a point across. I just- I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Maturity is-, is present in our lives when the gap between failing and repentance shortens. And if, if we fail, we will all fail. Don't let it linger. Don't let it sit. If you've done something wrong that's dishonoring to God or to your family or to your friends, ask for forgiveness. Repent. And some of you are like, well, I'm not going to. I, I keep repenting and I keep asking forgiveness. It's not my fault. Keep leading in it. Keep, keep asking for forgiveness. Be the one that leads the way that God would lead in a family. There's something powerful that brings reconciliation and healing to a family. If some of you think, man, I have to be the one in my family to always say sorry, Yeah. Do you know what the Bible says? That all of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Our heart should be to reconcile brokenness. That's our heart. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile people far from God. And not even people far from God, people in our own homes. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. John says, Dear friends, let us love one another. 
For love comes from God. Love comes from God. Everything that you know about love and, you know, sending the heart emoji and, and everything that the songs that we have in our society and it's backwards to the love of God. It's just backwards to the love of God. You may hear love and you're like, oh, Valentine's and sending flowers and chocolate. It's backwards. When you think of that, think Garden of Gethsemane hanging on a cross and bleeding for you. It's the backwards understanding. Everything is upside down. And so when we talk about the love of God, it, love comes from God. And we need to learn how to live in love, operate in love. Everyone who loves has, has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Not does love, shows love, is love. It's his nature. It's who he is, right? And we are supposed to be vessels, images of Christ here on earth. So we need to learn how to love. And if we learn how to love first in our families, then we can influence a world around us. And what's fascinating to me is that sometimes we come into church and our marriages are broken, our families are a mess, and we want to influence the world around us. It won't happen until our families are healed, until our marriages are reconciled. And it doesn't happen in our own effort. We don't do it striving and saying, no, I just got to learn more. I just got to do more. It's like we have this, this joke in the office. If things don't seem to go well, one of the pastors always says, you just, you know, you just got to try harder, okay? And we're like, you know, because we know it's not in our striving that we get to these places. I know I grew up and there's five boys and there's three girls in our family and everything was always a competition in our home. And there's always sports involved and, and everyone was always compete, competing. And I wrestled in college and played football. And so every, my whole life was a competition. Everything was a competition, always challenging. And, and I, I remember getting to the place in my journey with the Lord. And, and I just, I had a really bad place. I was a pastor. I couldn't I couldn't get up and preach. I couldn't even eat. I lost probably 30 pounds, and it was awkward when someone says, hey, you look really good. And I was like, oh, I haven't eaten in three weeks. And, and um, I was just struggling. I was anxious. I couldn't sleep. And I remember having a conversation with my father, and I said, Dad, I just, you know, I, I'm in a bad place. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do. And, and I was like, you know, I kind of, I just feel like I need, I'm going to give up. And Party like my father and just his journey and his wisdom kind of looks and he's like, well, that's a good place. I'm like, no, dad. I said, I'm going to give up. And he says, well, actually, that's a healthy place to be with the Lord. Because when you surrender what you can accomplish, then he'll be able to do something through you. And for many of us, we, 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 we fight, we fight arriving to that place. So some of you are like, you're in a relationship. You're like, oh, I can't do this. Well, because when you strive in your own strength, you'll never be able to reflect the things of God. Like God didn't ask you, listen, I want you to represent me, but I'm not going to empower you to accomplish it. That's not what he says. He says, I want you to reflect me, but I will send the, the Holy Spirit to enable you and empower you to accomplish that which I've called you to. And so for many of us, we, we live this journey. We're like, I'm going to figure it out. And I always tell people, even when they say yes to Jesus, you've done enough already. You've done enough messed up enough things up. You're like, yeah, I've done good things. You have, but you can't save you. You can't redeem you. You can't justify yourself. We need Jesus. And Pastor Anthony, you, you said when you were up here about the, the word from, of the Lord over the house, what was it? Overcome. But you said something after that, that it is a, pro, a proclamation, declaration from heaven and an invitation. God always is the divine ish, uh, initiator. And then we are left to respond. We're always left to respond to his goodness. Yes. 
That's why Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Many of us respond out of love to gain something for ourselves. And what he did was humble himself, become a man, and give everything he had for you while you still denied him, cursed him, said, I don't need him. I can do it on my own. He gave up everything for you. That's love. That's love. When you read John and he says, those who are born of God and know God, he, he's talking about this understanding, this, this Greek word to know God, know God is gnosko. It is this experience to know God at a deeper level. Not just head knowledge, not just, yeah, I know of God. No, 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 I know God. I know God. And, and many of you here, you, you've been in a journey with the Lord and, and other people are lifting their hands and, and we're singing the songs about he's, our, he's my provider. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't really know if he is. And there's someone next to you like, no, 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 I know that I know that I know he is, he's my provider. And some of you have experienced that in your health, in, in your mind and and with family and with reconciliation and healing and you know that he is who he declares himself to be and 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 that's the difference to know God Fernando shared in the in the in the offering about how they they brought things to God do you know why they brought an abundance to God it's because they they watched him move on their behalf they watched him part of sea and, and set them free and break change. And, and he was guiding them every day by a pillar of fire and by a, 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 at night and a, a pillar of cloud during the day. They were watching the faithfulness of God. And so when God said give, they weren't like, yo, should we give a little bit to this? I want to go out later next week. I only have a few dollars, so I'll just, nah. And the problem is now is you just don't see God. The busyness of our world has you so captivated about everything but seeing God. If you want to love more, see God. See God. Some of you are striving. I I remember this conversation I had with Pastor Anthony at the beginning of really me stepping into ministry. I was five, maybe five years, four years in, and and I remember having a conversation, and I said, "Ah, things are going well, but I'm just struggling. I don't really like people. I remember saying, I'm just I guess it's a problem, you know, in being in ministry. And, and the, the, the truth was is that I, I was struggling with my own insecurities, and then other people were bringing their insecurities, and I'm like, you fix you, I'll fix me. The truth was, I can't fix me, you can't fix you, only he can fix us. And so we need to get to a place, the only way we tolerate one another is if we know him. Do you know, I, I mean, it's humbling because I don't often know what to do but I give second chances not because I'm good, because I know I've been given one. Yeah. I love because he first loves me. Right. And some of us in our arrogance think, well, I'm just going to love. You don't have the capacity to love apart from God. Yeah. Everything is contingent in our world. I'll do this if you do that. I'll do this if you do that. Agape love is different. It's upside down from that. It's giving with no expectation of return. That's the love of our Father. We're living in a world today that even within the church, uh, people are so confused and perplexed by things. We begin to redefine things in our society and, and people have become just, I suppose confused is the best word. And they say, well, no, you don't know, you can't judge me and, and only God knows. And we have been given 
this special revelation through the word of God, and, and it guides and directs our, every aspect of our life. Every single one, every principle of our life is, is written within this holy scripture. And if you want to honor God and you want to demonstrate your love for him, um, you submit yourself under his authority. And there's something profound at the end of every one of our services, and I know the same is true here at Church Alive, that we give people an opportunity to, to surrender their lives and to declare Jesus their Lord and Savior. And I'm afraid that many times people understand it as Jesus being their savior because I can't save myself, but many of us still are unwilling to relinquish areas in our life so that he can be Lord over it. But when you say yes to Jesus, it's not like you get to pick and choose. Well, I just want, can I just have this area and this area? No, when you surrender it all, he's Lord of it all. He's Lord over all things. And some of you are like, well, I just don't know if I'm ready to do that. Think of who is God. Who really is for you? Who is really for you? Who loves you? Who cares for you? So much so that they would give up their life and bleed and die and hang on a cross for you. Listen, Christianity is a personal thing. It's not a generic thing. It's not a, it's not a just crowd thing. It's an intimate, personal thing. To know, to know that you know that Jesus died for you. For you, to call you and to lead you. We're living in a culture today where even believers are saying, I just, I just want people to be happy. No, we don't want people just to be happy. We want people to be set free. We want people to walk in freedom. We want people to see truth and to be set free from it. By it, rather. Jesus always saw things differently than you and I. He... I'm always... I just picture... I always picture these parables and these moments in Scripture. I, I remember the story of the man being lowered through the roof. And I, I don't know why. I just always had... Do you ever have friends, like groups of friends, and the one person's ideas are always crappy? You're like, no, dude, we're not, we're not doing that. That's a horrible idea. Like, hey, what are we going to do this weekend? And I was like, just stop. No one wants to do what you do. I was like, I feel like this was the guy's chance to shine, you know? It was like, hey, what should we do? We should cut a hole in the roof. And they were about to go like, you, wait a second. It's the first good idea you've ever had. You know, they lowered this man through the roof. And I just like, this is the heart of God. This is the heart of the Father. He sees this man broken, physically broken, unable to walk. His friends knew, knew. They knew that they knew that they knew. If I can just get him before Jesus. Now, some of the people in your world, you're trying to explain an infinite God to people. And I, you know, one of the greatest challenges that we have as pastors is conveying to you the significance, the depth and the height of the love of God. I don't have the words. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the ability to do those things. When Christ saw that man being lowered, you know, if I, if I was there, I would, I would be overwhelmed thinking like, how can I fix it? What can I do? And when Jesus saw him, the scriptures say that when he saw him, he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, I have to tell you something. If I was there, I'd be like, well, I hope he doesn't just stop there. You know, <laughs> I hope he moves to like the real issue. No, no, no. It wasn't the real issue. The brokenness in his legs was not the real issue. The inability to walk was not the The issue was he was disconnected from his father. The spiritual issues are the most important. Many of our culture today were caught in this social justice. Can I tell you something? There, social justice does not exist apart from spiritual justice. Jesus came to restore and redeem 
the spirit of humanity. He doesn't discard social things. But how would I really care for someone to give them food and give them water and withhold the only thing that they really need, which is Jesus? For many of us, we watch how people live in sin around us and we're like, Pastor, I don't know what to do. You love them. But don't you dare for a moment think that acquiescing to speak the truth will in some way set them free. My story of our marriage and our journey, there has to be a confidence in the authority of God. That God will provide a way. That God, God's truth leads us into greater freedom. And I've watched believers have conversations and say, well, you know, I just want them to be happy. And we're releasing people into greater sin and bondage. We say, I don't understand. They're just not happy. But, I, you know, they say this is, this is what they want. Can I tell you, we don't know what we want. We're so confused at times. And we're like, I don't know where to go. Which way do I walk? And where do I go? That's why the word of God says that he's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. He guides and directs us all the days of our life. That's what scripture declares. Listen, for some of you, God is just the God of chaos. When your life is completely a mess, you come walking back. God, I need you. <laughs> I was said to Pastor Anthony, and can I tell you something? God's faithful to receive you. Every time you come walking back, he's like, oh, here they come again. He runs after you and hugs you and embraces you. That's the heart of our Father. I said to Pastor Anthony, I said, you read in Hebrews and it says that those who are in, those who are in Christ, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And I, I just, I, I, I refuse to live in a season. Listen, we were born for such a time as this. If you're a believer in Jesus, you were born for such a time as this. God chose you before the beginning of time. The Bible says that he knew you before you were formed in the womb of your mother. You are not an accident. You didn't accidentally step into this world. God knew you. And though your life might not have been perfect and things didn't go according to your plan, God's in control. And he's watching and he cares. And some of you feel like God has been distant. He is not distant. He's, been, he's, he's ever present in our time of need. And for some of you, you've been walking near God, but not with God. And, and I did this my whole life. I was raised in church and I convinced myself, I convinced myself that I could, that I could walk in the world and walk with God. Can I tell you something? It's a lie. There's no such thing. Do you ever hear people say, you know, I'm living on the fence. There is no fence. There is no fence. Like, well, I'm just not sure. Some days I want to. No, no, no. You're either all in or you're not. This is the way God designed it to be. Some of you, listen, I'm, I just want to help some of you. Some of you are trying to figure out how do I do what, what the people of Israel did and give it all but still hold stuff for myself. You can't. You can't. It's not how God does it. But just like it says in Malachi 3.10 that God will pour out blessings that you can't, you can't even control because you gave to him. No, it's because it's in his nature to bless those who are his own. And we just got to learn how to trust in Jesus. Listen, if you want to learn how to love those in your family, who I'm not going to lie to you, they're the hardest to love at times. You got to pursue him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things will be added unto you. I need to tell you something. Even the people that have been coming to church for decades, they come to the church and they say, oh, I'm just trying to fix this. I'm just trying to fix that. Can I tell you something? The word of the Lord is seek him first. Seek him first in all things. And when he is first and he is Lord over all, he will add to every other area of your life the things that you desire. Can I pray for you before we go? Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Huh.
These moments in service are always special to me. It's an opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus and surrender their life to him. And, and I don't know what your life has been like the last year. I don't know the challenges that you've faced, but I want you to know that those who have been born again or born of God, we don't live enslaved by the fear of death. Meaning we know that we know that through the sacrifice of Jesus that we have security in our salvation eternally. And so in this moment, I, I want to just share some scriptures with you. So you just don't think it's me. It's the word of God. In John three sixteen. many of you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We leave out verse 17. It says, but for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but rather to save it. Some of us say, well, to save from what? What do I need to be saved from? I just, you know, I have a good job. I have a good retirement. My, my health is all right. My family's good. What do I need to be saved from? The Bible says that sin separates us from God. And you might think that you're the exception to the rule, but in Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. And you might think it's not a big deal, but the Bible declares in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's why Romans 5.8 is so profound. It's so profound. No matter what we go through, no matter the insecurities we have, no matter the pride and the arrogance we have, God meets us right where we are. And he, inter he interrupts our circumstances. Then he demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And some of us say, okay, well, then how do I become born again or become a child of God? You may be shocked by this, but the Bible says you need to first recognize your need of him, that you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you must believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave. The Bible says we must repent of our sins and say, God, forgive me for the wrongdoing that I've done. And the wrongdoing often is us just thinking we can save ourselves apart from him. And Ephesians 2.8 reminds us that it is by grace that we've been saved through faith. And maybe more than any other verse in Scripture in Acts 3.19, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I'm going to just ask you in this moment, if that's you and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, just be bold in this moment while every head is bowed and eye closed. Just lift your hand just high enough and long enough just so I can see it. Praise God, I see those hands. Who else? Put it up high enough and long enough. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Anyone else? Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. Why don't you put your hands down for this moment and we're going to say this prayer. Everybody look at me real quick. We're going to say this prayer. But man, this is, this is what we do as family. We don't let people say a prayer by themselves. We say it together. We walk with them in their difficulties. We mourn with those who are mourning and we rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And so come on, let's say this prayer together. It's a simple prayer, but if you're saying it for the first time, man, there's power. There's so much power in this. It's a significant prayer. The Bible says you go from death to life on the other side of this prayer. So come on, let's say this prayer together. Repeat this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive your son Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and conquered sin and death. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on.